This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 65, recorded August 10th, 2011. What the heck is holiness? Welcome to Prayer Room Companion this week. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and with me, as always, my faithful companion on Prairie Room Companion. That was the longest introduction I've ever received from Father Andrew Dickinson. Father Andrew Dickinson. <laughs> Father Andrew and I have decided that our sign-off, or, or no, our signature for Prairie Room Companion, or, or whatever, whatever it will soon be called, is going to be um, an awkward sign-off. So I thought we'd uh, <laughs> begin so with... An awkward sign-on? An awkward sign-on. That was awkward. That was just an attitude, like the awkward sign-on. That was that 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 was sort of well, I guess the reverse. That would be that was like uh, uh, Johnny Carson doing a great introduction for Ed McMahon, uh, or not? Uh, or not. Uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's see. Uh, we're uh, the obligatory. How's the weather, Father? Sunny. It doesn't look sunny from my picture right now. <laughs> what? what are you gonna do? You gotta change your disposition, son. I know. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, yeah, it's sunny here too. Not a cloud in the sky that I can see. So there you go. Finally, some spring weather in August. So, Father, you are getting ready for students. Uh, school in here in Sioux Falls. Public and Catholic gets started again next week, uh, and I was trying as I was thinking and as we talked this morning about what sort of um, topic to talk about. I was thinking maybe something back to school or whatever, but uh, we're not going to talk about that at all, are we? No. No, we're not. We're going back. Well, actually, in a certain sense, we are. Ooh. In what back sense? Back to our roots. Back to our roots. Back to your foundation. Yes. Of our, There's no other higher or better calling that you have than what we're going to talk about today. Than what we're going to talk about today. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, inspired by one of the um, the Wednesday catechetical addresses that Pope Benedict gave um, on Friday. Uh, just kidding. On Wednesday, back in April, um, the Holy Father, uh, John Paul II really sort of was the one who, I don't know if he was the first one or not, Father, maybe you know, um, as far as I know, John Paul II was the first pope to use the Wednesday audience, the the, the address made to pilgrims coming to Rome, to use that to, uh, to present a systematic uh, catechetical presentation over a course of several weeks on some particular theme, or, or, or as it's become over the course of several year, years on one particular theme. Um, I know that there were Wednesday audiences before that, but I think JP2 was the first to sort of Take a, take a topic and address it over the course of, of uh, not just weeks, but months and even years. Do uh, you know any idea, any of the history of that, Father? That I don't. That I know. I'm you know, trying to take a little itty-bitty peek and things like that um, on uh, on the papal history that I'm not finding much here. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think he was the first one to... I know that others used them for catechetical addresses, but not in the extended fashion that he started. And Benedict has continued that tradition. Uh, and in the last few years, he's been, um, uh, last two years at least, been talking about uh, various saints throughout history. Um, 
and, and what their lives of holiness and then their teachings tell us about living out our Catholic Christian faith. Uh, he, he's conclu- he, in April, he concluded that series, uh, and then after Easter, he, start, he started a new series on prayer. What is prayer? What's, what's the nature of prayer in general, and then what's the nature of Christian and Catholic prayer? Um, but as he concluded the, the series on the saints, he gave uh, an address uh, in April that's simply called Holiness. So on the, having talked about all of these holy men and women, he wanted to sum up this series by talking simply about the nature of, of holiness. Um, and, and there were just a few things in here that I had mentioned to Father that, that really struck me that I wanted to, wanted to talk about and then get any impressions that, that Father has, hopefully for some edification for you, the dear listener. Um, so one of the things he says early on, he, he asks the question, what does it mean to be holy? At the end of this series of, of catechesis, therefore, I'd like to offer some thoughts on what holiness is. What does it mean to be holy? Who is called to be holy? Um, he talks about how oftentimes we think holiness is something that's just for a few special people. But in fact, holiness is for all of us. And this is one of the central teachings. Some say it's the central teaching of Vatican II, um, that holiness is something which is for all Christians, uh, really, ulti- of course, ultimately all men and women. Um, we're all called to sanctity, to holiness. And so he, 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 he wants to talk about what it is then. And one of the things, Father, that struck me in particular, he says in, his, in this address from April 13th, um, the whole of Christian life knows one supreme law in Christ Jesus. He goes on, holiness, the fullness of Christian life, does not consist in carrying out extraordinary enterprises, but in being united with Christ, in living his mysteries, in making our own his example, his thoughts, his behavior. The measure of holiness stems from the stature that Christ achieves in us, inasmuch as with the power of the Holy Spirit we model our whole life on his. So, so when it comes down to it, he says, the uh, the law, the supreme law of holiness of the Christian life is in Christ Jesus. And, and you know, going back to foundations, Father, I mean, I think that's when we talk about sanctity and holiness, it begins with Jesus Christ. And it ends with Jesus Christ. And it ends with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oddly enough for Christians. You know, and just hearing you read that and announce in that way, I'm just immediately drawn to the idea again, of the origin of the name of the word Christian. You know, and uh, back from the Acts of the Apostles, that's a book in the Bible, Dr. Bergwald. And, uh, but it's there that, you know, the, the disciples were called Christian for the first time, I believe, in uh, the city of Damascus. And, uh, but it's the whole idea of like a follower, a little Christ, and also that ancient biblical name of the faith, which was called the way. Now, they were followers of the way, the way of Christ. Is that imitation of Christ has always been at the heart and the core of Christian life. You can see that in the writings of the saints, the scriptures, and all these places. Uh, but just so that simple, continuous, constant imitation. Right. Imitation, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, it was Antioch, E, great biblical scholar. Uh, but anyway. I was testing you on that. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Glad to see that you're aware. <laughs> Um, you come far, young grasshopper. I, I try. <laughs> and, okay. I think, um, I'm also thinking of uh, the words are in our own day of Mother Teresa. You know, that uh, um, what, the eminently quotable Mother Teresa, Blessed uh, Teresa of Calcutta, where she says, 
you know, God does not expect us to do great things, but he expects us to be faithful. Right. You know, holiness does not consist in carrying out uh, extraordinary enterprises, but in being united with Christ, living his mysteries, so forth. One thing that... Um Oh, well, since when, as, uh, when I was young and really foolish, um, it, it, there was a, I, I, I've been interested in politics for a long time, going back even, frankly, to elementary school. And there was a time, um, what, junior high school, high school, when, when I thought it'd be neat to, and I wanted to be president. I mean, never really put much effort towards it, but I, but I, you know, I, I, I thought I knew, you know, what it took to, uh, to get this country on the right track and so on. Um, and you, you don't think that way now? Uh, well, I still know something. <laughs> anyway, but the, uh, the, um, the the sort of the constant thing that that, that stuck with, lingered with me even after I left that uh, I don't know that um, those notions behind about what what I was really called to is the idea of, I want to do something great, something that's going to change the world, and, and even as Catholic, I, you know, I mean, but something that. Over the course of time, God's been working with me and, and and pointing out that really the greatness I'm looking for is worldly greatness, greatness, mm. fame. Um, maybe not for its own sake, doing something great, but but for so you know for to receive adulation from others and and that greatness, true greatness, of course, is is not found in the opinion of other men, but in the mind and the heart of God, uh, even if it's invisible. To, to those around me, we can still do great things in little ways. So when you were, the, you know, um, I was starting to think of that when you gave the quote from Mother Teresa, um, mm-hmm. that, that it's about being great, uh, being great, being powerful, not in a worldly sense, not in the eyes of other men, but um, being powerful in the spirit, great in the eyes of God, which means something very different. It does mean something very different. But also, still, I think it'd be a difficult thing for our average listener to comprehend or imagine in their own daily life. You know, as, uh, as you've gone to this idea about that, um, you know, being f- united with Christ in living his mysteries and making our own his example, his thoughts, his behavior. How then does, you know, an average mom of, you know, three or four children, how does... You know, uh, uh, a single woman who works as a teacher. How does a, uh, you know, a father who, you know, he and his wife can't shave children. How does Joe Blow on the street live that out? How do we live out his mysteries in our daily life? And? <laughs> well, that was a question for you, since oh. you liked, so you thought on this. <laughs> Um, actually, can I defer for a little bit? Unless, if you want to give your thoughts now, I want to defer mine for a little bit. Actually, that's sounds good. Is, 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 was that an awkward transition? No, 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 no. It's not an awkward transition. I do. Okay. I was trying to think of some of the other things that struck me from his address, and some of them I touched tangentially on that question, Father. Um, so I don't want to. Yeah, I, I, I want to hold off with my answer for a little bit, but I will. I, I will. Uh, uh, I will keep such suspense. I know, I know, but I did, But I want to give you. If, if I want, to, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts now, unless you want to defer as well. No, no, this is yours. Okay, all right, all right. So, okay, so the uh, yeah, 
So I want I want to make sure and, and and make sure that we address that because I think that is the key. Um, but I want to hold off at least my answer for a little bit. Was there anything else about this section, Father, that uh, that that struck you? Words to live by. Huh? That was good. Okay. All right. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the next section, or the next point that he, one of the points that he makes, um, is kind of related to what you were getting at. It doesn't address it directly, but maybe maybe, maybe tangentially. Um, he says, okay, so the question remains. So, so this is still for all of us. This holiness is for all of us. But he says, the question remains, how can we take the path to holiness to respond to this call of holiness? Can I do this on my own initiative? The answer, the Holy Father says, is clear. Yes. Hol- <laughs> no. Oh. What, what copy, what translation are you reading? <laughs> the Pelagian Times version? Yeah, Pelag- Amen. Um, Pelagianism is a heresy. but <laughs> Just to make that clear. Yeah. Um, a holy life, the Holy Father says, a holy life is not primarily the result of our efforts, of our actions, because it is God, the three times holy, who sanctifies us. It is the Holy Spirit's action that livens us from within. It is the very life of the risen Christ that is communicated to us and that transforms us. And then he goes on, but I'll stop there. Um, so it's not the result of what we do, our efforts. It's God who sanctifies us. We, in a sense, Father, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the one metaphor that I, we just get out of the way. We just say yes. Lord, I, I, I want you to change my life. I want you to transform me. I cannot do it on my own. Um, I, you, you, you love me. You require my freedom. I give myself to you. Do your thing, <laughs> so to speak. Right. And that, and that yes needs to me a, um, uh, a constant yes, a continual yes. Great point. Uh, that's, that, that, that's renewed on a daily basis by us in our Christian lives. So what, what, why do you say that? Why, what, what prompts you to make that point? Anything in particular? Uh, well, for one thing, uh, everything in my own experience of the Christian life is I know I've said yes. At the same time, I also say no some days. Amen. And it's that yes needs to be constantly renewed. Yep. Um, so think of that old sense. And I think you, you find that in the scripture, that tension between the already and the not yet. Uh, kind of a, a classic theological phrase. You know, that we are already saved, but we are not yet saved. You know, we are already being sanctified. We are not yet sanctified. Um, and so that's, that, that's true in each individual Christian journey or their own experience. And so it's, it's not to be despaired in any sense, nope. but it's just an uh, expression of who we are and just kind of as human beings and in, in their own uh, particularity. I think, well, and for me... Um uh, a couple analogies. What, well, one which might be more than an analogy come to mind there. First, the one that's clearly an analogy. Um, I think sometimes my temptation along those lines is to sort of treat my spiritual life in terms of spiritual capital. You know, I'm, I'm doing well. Right. I, I'm praying and going to mass. That I, I'm building up my capital. Now I. I'm going, Mark it down. I'm going to live off my capital now. You know, I've saved my retirement. I've been praying for it. And now I'm going to, you know, it's going to be easy, Stuart. Now I can rest on my laurels. Exactly. And that's not the case. Uh, I think because, you know, our, 
holiness and sanctity. Another thing the, the Holy Father doesn't really address directly, but I know is very much a part of his 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 way of understanding it. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's about a relationship, and you can't you don't build up relationship capital. You know, my wife and I. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's not like I, I've I've told her I love her. I think prob I hope every day since we've been married. Um, it's not that I can stop now because I've told her enough and I can live off of that capital in our relationship, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, honey, <laughs> I told you that. I said I told you I loved you last it's, week. It's we're living off the interest here, sweetheart. <laughs> That's. What, um, and the other thing I was reminded too, I think it's Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Um, who said that there? And these are not his exact words. I'm paraphrasing. Um, you, there, in our spiritual life, there's never any standing still. We're either progressing or regressing. Um, so the image I move is of it's like we're going up a down escalator. You can't stand still, otherwise you're going down. You've got to keep moving forward. Um, now the downside to that image is it makes that's my own effort. Me, I've got to go up, 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 up. But, yeah, it's a somewhat Pelagian uh, image. But. He, but every analogy breaks down at some point, Father. Jeez, that does some sooner than others. <laughs> um, I'm also drawn to you know what this, what that notion of this is. The beautiful invitation of Pope Benedict at the 2008 World Youth Day in Sydney. Uh, his little uh, catechesis on the Angelus. And if you want, you could do a, a web search sometime, dear listeners. And uh, just type in World Youth Day, WYD, 2008, Sydney, Angelus, about the Angelus Prayer, and read his uh, read his words in that regard. And they're just beautiful. Uh, but he just talks about how um, at the, the moment of the Annunciation, Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26 through 39, when the angel of the Lord appears uh, to the Virgin Mary, he talks about it as a culmination of God's relationship with the whole of humanity. And he talks about how in our name Mary said yes. But she didn't, and he says, he, he catches this idea of the continuing relationship. He says, um, when, uh, when Mary said yes, it didn't end there. You know, if it was a fairy tale, it stopped. Right? How does the fairy tale end, Dr. Bergwald? Happily. And they all lived happily ever after. Right. Right. He says, you know, but this isn't a fairy tale. This is life. And so she has to renew that yes, you know, the yes of her discipleship. And that's why she is the exemplary disciple uh, for all of us, you know. Uh, and so the Blessed Virgin Mary has to deepen that yes, yes to the Father's plan, you know, when she's uh, standing there at the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple. You know, yes to the Father's plan. When he's 12 years old, yes to the Father's plan. When she's standing at the foot of the cross, yes to the Father's plan. And so we need to keep that own yes renewed in our own hearts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's what I thought was a great point to make you early on, because it's so easy not to as well. Um, that that We have a great examples of, of how that works when it does, but also, personally at least, great examples of how it works when it doesn't, so to speak. Right, and I think the way and the way to think about this, and I don't know if you're going to go to this point, but this uh, I think on this section, it's important to bring up this notion of receptivity. Yeah, you know, um, receptivity as a spiritual heart, a po- a spiritual posture that is necessary for all Christian life and growth and holiness. 
so the way that I put that, when I, so fundamentally, when it comes to our spiritual life, uh, we have to recognize that the first thing we do is we receive. You know, reflecting, this is another way of putting it, the Holy Father says, the first thing we do is not act. The first thing we do is receive to, and recognize that what, what it is that we've already received, right? Very much so. Thus the need for prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving, which aid that receptivity. If I'm grateful, that means I've been given something. I've been given something. I need to receive it, make sure I use it, not let it be like the copy of P90X that someone gave me for Christmas that's sitting on a shelf. You know? <laughs> I don't have a copy of that, and I don't do that. But anyways. You said that, no. that just came off your tongue. I presume you must be looking at one right now, but evidently not. Those, those, no. I've got some students that have done that. But all anyways. Right. So, um, but but we all have gifts like that, right? You know, and so or like the kitschy little like you know knickknack that someone gave you at your wedding, and and you know, Father, actually, um, I'm reminded just now, um, just now, just now, actually. So we're recording this on Friday, um, August twelfth, and the this. Twenty eleven, yes. The first reading at Mass today was from um, the book of yes. Joshua. Joshua chapter twenty four. And it ended it ended this way. This is Joshua speaking listen Joshua speaking to the Israelites, telling this listen to the words of the Lord. So he's proclaiming to them what God uh, wants him to tell the people. And this is what God has to say to the Israelites. Beautiful. So this is Love historically this is preaching. They are, they are in Holy Land now. They would you quit that? <laughs> Where, what church am I in? Uh, <laughs> how do they? Anyway, all right. Never mind. Let me be too tangential. So all the great things that God has done to just, just receive what I'm doing here, Doctor Birdwell. Just it, receive what I'm doing to get into the Holy Land and now to to have conquered the Holy Land. And then God says to them at the end of this reading, in chapter 24. I gave you a land which you had not tilled, and cities which you had not built to dwell in. You have eaten of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. So, it, the na- the people of Israel now are are living off of the land. They're they're eating food and so on, but none of it is their own doing. Um, God has given all these things from others, uh, but given all these things to them. So I think the spiritual truth that spoke to me in that is, hey, wake up here, buddy. Everything you have is a gift from me. Um, you didn't do anything uh, of your own. You've, you've, at best, you've cooperated with me. So remember, um, everything you have, everything you are is a gift from me. And I, the thing I love about that, too, is that, that, that there's been a richness of that this week in the readings of the entrance into the promised land at the end um, uh, of, uh, of this whole narrative. Um, and the uh, um, this idea of receptivity is rich in the Old Testament. I think it kind of um, it kind of hits the bugaboo, if you will, or it kind of hits against the notion that in some way the Old Testament is not about receptivity. The Old Testament is right. not about grace. The Old Testament is not about God's gift to humanity. Because uh, there's some people, and sometimes this follows along a Reformation uh, polemic, but even uh, Catholic um, authors can fall into this polemic as well, saying that you know uh, the Old Testament is all about your labor, your effort, your work, and the law of Moses is all about that. But no, it's about God's free gift. Right. 
and grace is still rich within that. Yep. Um, you, know, you received a land that you did not till. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think part of it too. It's 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 not that we okay now you need to receive. It's really more recognize that you have received. Uh, right. You know, I mean, if the, the fact that well, our, you have been given, receive it now. Maybe to make a difference that way is that making something con- a fa- is that false concreteness? I don't know. I don't know. But um, you've been given, receive it. Right. And I think one of the things I always like to remind my students is. You know, are you praying in your baptismal, your confirmation identity? Yep. You know, and so when you're struggling with something, especially your choices, things like that, are you praying, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you as your son, as your daughter, in the waters of baptism. I'm calling upon your gifts of the Holy Spirit with which you sealed me at my confirmation. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, so talking about the sacraments there, great transition. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not. But one of the next things the Holy Father talks about is... Says, Shouldn't doubt me that way, Dr. Bergwald. <laughs> <laughs> how, how could it not have been intentional? Holiness, therefore, has its deepest root in the grace of baptism, in being, graft, in being grafted onto the paschal mystery of Christ, by which his spirit is committed to us, his life as the risen one. So, the great, so we are grafted onto Christ in his paschal mystery um, through the grace of baptism. So, as you just said, living out of that... Um, that baptismal grace, that baptismal vocation, which we all have, even you. <gasps> I could be a priest without the baptismal vocation. Nope, and it's not left behind when deacons and priests and bishops are ordained. It's it's I don't know carried with you, incorporated in something. There's a metaphor there that I can't remember right now. But anyway, so so yeah, I think this is this is one of the keys because I, I think Father and. In your pastoral experience, I'd be curious to hear uh, to what degree you find this to be true. I think a lot of times as Catholics, we we do have this idea of a Pelagian mindset that that my holiness is a, is the fruit of my effort. I've got to do 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 do. Where the Holy Father here is reminding us of what the Church has always taught that the Gospel message. No, it's first and foremost what God does for us. Exactly. So now the, the Catholic faith is not about man's search for God, but God's search for us. Right. So, um, and just to, another point, a final point that I want to um, uh, highlight from from this address of Pope Benedict's comes uh, if you, if you find this address online and you're following along, it's a couple paragraphs down. Uh, he's sort of okay. Well, how how do we do this? How, he says, how can it happen that our manner of thinking and our actions become thinking and action with, with Christ and of Christ? What is the soul of holiness? And then he quotes uh, an extensive citation from Vatican II, uh, the, docu- the Dogmatic Constitution and the Church, Lumen Gentium, number 42. But then he goes on afterwards and says, perhaps this language of the Second Vatican Council is a little too solemn for us. Perhaps we should say things even more simply. So he's saying, all right, so there's, there's the, uh, the deep... Um, theological answer from Vatican II, but how can we say it even more simply? Just as theologically true, but more simply. What is essential? The essential means never leaving a Sunday without an encounter with the risen Christ in the Eucharist. This is not an additional burden, but it is light for the whole week. So that's the first thing. Um, It means never beginning and never ending a day without at least a brief contact with God. Number two. Number three. 
And on the path of life, it means following the signposts that God has communicated to us in the Ten Commandments, interpreted with Christ, which are merely the explanation of what love is in specific situations. So those are the three things. It seems to me that this is the true simplicity and greatness of a life of holiness. The encounter with the Risen One on Sunday, contact with God at the beginning and the end of the day, following in decisions the signposts that God has communicated to us, which are but forms of charity. So really, Father, it's very simply put, don't you think? Very simply put. It's an invitation, too, that at the same time, it's simple, it's also beautifully deep. Right, and so in the sense that you, when you, when we do truly encounter Christ in the Sunday Eucharist, especially, you know, then we start to long for Him in the daily Eucharist, and then we just don't lose touch. We want to make visits to the Eucharist outside of Mass. Yep. Um, you know, the daily offering, the beginning of the day, the end of the day, um, and so all these things can be unpacked and grow uh, in what is actually called the spiritual life, yep. in which the life of holiness is formed and lived. Right. Right. So, but these are sort of the uh, these are this, the basic initial steps that we take. So Sunday Mass, and I love his point, Father. He says um, this is not an additional burden, but is light for the whole week. I think sometimes you know I talk to people and the Sunday obligation. Oh, I've got to go to church, or even people who go to church on a regular basis still feel that as a burden. But his point is, no, it's light for the whole week. And so trying to to awaken people or or, or allow them or help them to be awakened to the truth that that the Sunday obligation. Um, is not meant to be a burden, but it's meant to enable us to live the rest of that week um, with with holiness, with love. To uh, that light, which then diffuses throughout the whole week. Right. Exactly. And one thing I think you know, when we look at our calendars, I mean, our calendars usually begin with Sunday is the first day, Saturday is the last day. But I think the way we think about life and the weekend. Monday is the first day of the week. The weekend is the end. But for the church, no, it's it, we're in the what are we, the 18th week. We began with the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time, and we right. live out the entire week from that Sunday. And then we get renewed again um, the following Sunday for the week after that, and so on. So, so anyway, so so that that is such a point, and then of course beginning and ending every day with prayer, with in, in communication, in, in communion with God, and then living our life um, in a loving manner, which means following the signposts that God has given to us. Uh, my father-in-law, you know, uh, who lives in Ohio, you know, whenever I drive uh, to or from Ohio, is keep it between the signposts. Uh, he's a truck driver for many years, so but but signposts are there. Uh, as, as a guide to help us stay on the path, um, and sometimes we could, we have talked about we could t- easily talk about how people see the church's moral teachings as a burden, but again they're meant to be a light, um, not an obstruction. So, so Father, anything uh, anything from there that you want, or anything else that uh, you may have come across in the address that you want to comment on? Well, I think just to stress the idea of receptivity again. Uh, that it's 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 really at the heart, and it's so it, it's so much a part of our uh, common Christian devotion. I don't think we realize how rich it is. You know, receptivity, especially in the Mass. This idea of orientation towards God. You know, as we look to Him, we look to Him in the Scriptures. You know, we look to Him in the Eucharist, both in Eucharistic prayer, as uh, Christ is praying in His priests, as Christ lends His voice to His priests. 
then that orientation, that looking towards God, and that culmination in that reception of Holy Communion. Um, I think receptivity is a topic and idea that we can maybe even spend a whole time on, but it's uh, there's no more important thing than to learn to receive if we really want to enter into the spiritual life. There we go. Amen. All right, so, Father, uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, thank you, Father Andrew, once again for being here with me. Well, you're welcome. Yes, I am. <laughs> and with, with that obligatory awkward sign-off, we conclude this episode of Frey Companion. We'll be back next week.